The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NFL podcast. It's Tuesday. It's November 20th. I'm Doug Norrie. That is James Davis. Oh, we're going to get to the Rams and Chiefs in a second, but dailyfantasysportsrankings.com <laughs> is the site, dfsr.com for short, dfsr.com slash deals, gets you that, you the podcast listener, a special seven-day trial to our projection system powered by our good friends over at Lineup Lab. It's optimal lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings NFL. You get the little Thursday action coming with Thanksgiving um, and NBA as well, all covered under one subscription package. So go check it out, dfsr.com slash deals. And you'll be good to go. I saw a hilarious tweet last night. I mean, I can I got to start remembering who tweets these things. I'm not like anybody cares if I give them credit. But no. um, it was like, if you're a bad coach in the NFL, tonight's the night you take your owner out for dinner to a restaurant that doesn't have any televisions on. So they just can't <laughs> see what's happening. In the, so they can't see what's happening in the background of just like this offensive onslaught. I saw some people complaining about defense. I mean, at any point during this game, are you caring that they're not playing defense? Or are you just in awe of the majesty of like what the NFL should probably look like, which is like the most fun league in the world when you have games like this nah, because if you're one of those people that complains about defense you see these people around you know they tend to be these are like the type of people who keep score at baseball games you know like ah good call you're you're like the person who's like you're again you're at the baseball game and someone's like man this game's gone kind of slow and they're like are you serious you wouldn't want to watch 13 innings of scoreless baseball the pitching performance is out of this world it's like eh I guess. <laughs> like, ultimately, I think I came here to watch people smash home runs and score touchdowns. And, like, you have four fourth-quarter lead changes. Like, at the third lead change in the fourth quarter, you're sitting there like, where's the defense, guys? Come on. I miss the 1984 season when people averaged two yards per carry and people threw 20 times a game. No, you don't, you dummy. <laughs> like, right. the days when, like, Joe Namath was the best quarterback in the yeah, league. that's when like, they had the Chicks Dig the Long Ball ad. You know, it's like, Chicks Dig the Long Ball. Yeah, of course, dude. Like, this is the most fun thing. Like, they don't just care about grinding it out like <laughs> Buffalo, Jacksonville. So, anyway, you get you get 105 points. The game yep. hits the over by the middle, of the beginning of the third quarter or something like that. We were, you know, not to... Not to do a quick, like a whole, like where Patrick Mahomes is this season, because a lot, a lot of quarterback play is up, but the numbers this guy's put up now are just are staggering. I don't know another way to put it. Our, our, our take on him, mine especially, from early week one has not aged well at all. Are we looking at, <laughs> uh, are, we, are we looking at, I mean, Mahomes and, and Goff are both off this week, the Rams and KC. It's funny, they yeah. had a scheduled, they had a scheduled buy, and it's almost like if you had to pick one game of the year where you just had to give the teams a buy after it and everyone would have been totally fine with it, this would have been the week. You'd be like, dude, just give these guys a buy. These guys just played their heart out on Monday night. But where do you stand with Mahomes? I mean, are we looking at, would you call it, we're in like historical era here? I mean, is it just a nature of the league or is it like he's just doing things above and beyond what any reasonable person could ever have expected? And he's got a chance for the best quarterback fantasy season ever, I think. I mean, right now... In a, in a year where passing is up, and there's going to be a lot of guys with really good passing seasons, he is 50 fantasy points ahead of second place. Two right. two good quarterback games ahead of Jared Goff, who's second place, and then he's like 60-plus ahead of Breeze. So, you know, obviously, like, some people will catch up a little bit next week when he has his bye, 
some of these guys have already had buys, but that's a distance that doesn't, it's not very likely to, to decrease as the season continues on. So yeah, he has, we have to be in that kind of historical territory. And I hate that that's true because like, it just doesn't make sense that someone could come up and be that good in their first season. And I don't totally understand it, but yeah, that's the reality of the thing. That's a, a full on my bad. This, oh yeah, I did not have we, a good had, we, had a, we had some not a not age well takes from the beginning of the season about yeah. people's excitement about Mahomes. Funny too about it, you get uh, 105 points and you get a combined 125 rushing yards out of the out of you know arguably two yeah. of the top four <laughs> running backs in football. Although it kind of does make sense. It's like okay, well you can only put up this many points if you're just hucking the ball all over the field. Like oh, yeah, if you're running sure. if you're running the ball and running the clock at all, there's just not the, you're, you're never going to have the ability to even put up this many points. But to get this many to get that many yards total yards out of both teams. And to get almost nothing from the court of uh, the running backs, uh, I do find kind of funny. So this game aside, let's roll back to some of the main slate. Um, just and in, in again, KC and LA are both off this week, so we don't really have to think too much about them. Um, and we do have Thanksgiving games and main slate games. We'll get to that later in the week. But let's go back to the main slate from last week. I was saying to you off the podcast, I think that I'm going to need to take a break from saying to, forever complaining about running bad on touchdowns. I know I did this from two weeks ago, but last week it felt like. I think you sent me a text. We had started like LaFell and Cook in DraftKings, and they Carr had. I mean, how many? What at, at what point they had two touchdowns? And how many passes that had Carr thrown? It was like some unbelievably low number. He had thrown for fifty-one total yards, and we had. I don't know the exact number of passes, but we had had yeah two touchdowns across that fifty-one yard span. <laughs> so two of those 40, 51 yards were our receivers crossing into the end zone, baby. <laughs> So I think I'm going to have to take a break from just being like, oh, all my touchdowns gets vultured. Uh, yeah. That's the way to go. All right, a couple questions I'm going to ask you about where we stand with certain guys. So it's really crazy to be on the wrong end of the Tampa Bay quarterback mid-game benching two times this season from two different guys. And we get it from Fitzpatrick going to Jay Fitzpatrick just through. There was a lot of bad quarterback play this week. So it's tough to rank the really bad interceptions because I was kind of watching the games. So I was like, Oh, that was the worst interception of the day. I'm like, oh, Big Ben, that might have been the worst. Oh, Case Keenum, that might have, that one actually take that one back. He just chucked that right into the, right into the head of him. I was like, you know, and then there was a Fitzpatrick one. I was like, to be fair, he did gun the ball 300 miles an hour into the face mask of the defensive lineman. So it's run tough, tough luck to have that one be intercepted. But um, Jameis is going to start again this week and they play oh, San Francisco. God, Can we really God. do it to ourselves again? I like, now, I want to say, with the Fitzpatrick and Winston thing, if you combine their totals from the games when we started them where they got benched, that's a great – got two great quarterback games out of them. Um, how how much can we trust James – because now he's the quarterback again. They play San Francisco. They're projected for a lot of points. Can we do it to ourselves again on the Fitzpatrick to Jameis thing? You can't see me right now, but I'm doing a thing where you have your hands on your face and, like, pressing your fingers into your eyes because you just don't want to think about something. That's how I feel about the idea of playing any more Tampa Bay quarterbacks because – I think we've been reasonably bullish on them. I think the benchings in both cases, well, not in Jameis's case, that was probably warranted. In Fitzpatrick's case, oh, it was warranted case, in Fitzpatrick too. I, like he was. I he hear was what you're saying. I think that they, I think the coaches have done something weird with him because I know that he threw some bad passes, but like still, he's the guy who practiced with the first team all week. He still had like whatever 63 percent completion rate at the time he got pulled. I don't know. And I, Winston was great when he came in. It's hard to argue with it, right? But, like, it, I, I would have to think there's some reason why teams don't constantly just, like, swap in and out of quarterbacks throughout games. <laughs> like, that, not that's, idiots. That's They're the thing stupid. I'll hold on to. But um, I don't know. I, I don't know if I ever want to play these guys again because just knowing, 
like how many teams have switched quarterbacks in the middle of a game this season like because of performance it hasn't been very many and tampa bay has now two of those times i don't know i'm sick to my stomach about it i don't i don't really want to think about it right now if i don't have to the problem that here's the issue it's on the table is the issue right like you now know that it's a possibility and it's so crazy too because in general you're going to be you're going to throw more interceptions if you're worse. So if you're a bad quarterback, so don't get me wrong. But I would throw more interceptions than you know. Um, no, you wouldn't. Balls. You would get sacked instantly every time. That's, that's a good point. I actually wouldn't even bother trying to throw. So I might not ever get <laughs> might never get an interception because I wouldn't even bother. A lot of fumbles though. You have but fumbles to spare. <laughs> if I was forced to throw, I would definitely throw more interceptions than these guys. And it's been sort of proven that interceptions are things you can also just run bad on. Um, that those will tend to normalize over time. And I will say that it does seem like they have lumped together a lot of bad play in just the wrong kind of times to say they shouldn't have been benched. If you look at the performance of the guy that came in behind them, it stands to reason. It's a reasonable expectation to say Fitzpatrick would have done that same thing. And the reason I can say that is because that exact same thing happened when they benched Jameis. So it wasn't like a, it it was more like a scheme. It's a team thing more than it's just these individual guys. The fact that we have proof in the pudding going both ways means it's, stupid to have benched them i guess is my point anyway i think it's not going to matter though because when it looks when we're looking at performances for last week and guys that stand to be maybe chalk plays going into week 12 lamar jackson are we in a world where a team can just have a straight up running quarterback like you're just going to have run pass options and the guy's going to run like you have a college offense essentially are we in is he the guy that can like shift the narrative because i mean the guy ran 20 something times last week was awesome and now they play Oakland again. Where do you stand with Lamar Jackson? It's such a hard one to project because this is so different than any other NFL quarterback, and it's not even close. It's the most, I think it was the third most rushes in a game, and the other ones were from like the 1950s. What are your thoughts here on Lamar Jackson going forward? Yeah, I think it's generally sustainable. I think that, like, I mean, it'd be tough to do over the course of a whole season, but there's nothing inherent about being a football player that, like, means you can't be good at throwing a ball and running a ball. It's just that very, very few people have both of those skills, right? So we see that running quarterbacks, like if you're good on eight carries a game, you probably could be good on 15 carries a game. The reason most people don't do it is because we know that if you give anyone, if anyone in the world has to get tackled 25 times a game, like that's just really bad for your body, right? So smart teams tend to not, you know, even these guys that come out of the gate from college, you know, Vince Young, Cam Newton, Russell Wilson, they tend to run less, Alex Smith even, they tend to run less over time because it's just not feasible for a human body to do that for very long. That being said, putting performances like Jackson's together are very, very sustainable. I mean, when a defense, I mean, so on a base level, I know I'm sure everyone listening to this probably understands this, but on a basic level, the reason being a running quarterback is so effective is because normally when you hand the ball to your running back, the defense can overcommit to that player, right? Like some guys could occasionally pass, but 99% of the time that guy's going to run as fast as he can, as far as he can, and you'll just tackle him at some point. With a quarterback, it's not so. Like you have to keep respecting the pass, which creates a lot more space to run underneath. And, uh, you know, a guy like Jackson, if he's going to do it 20 times a game, is going to get yards like we saw or more uh, if things break well. So, yeah, I think it's sustainable. I think especially if they don't view him as the long-term plan, I don't know whether they do or not. But if they don't view him as a long-term plan, just saddle up because you could see some very, very serious um, running attempts, you know, trickling in some passes when it's working out really well. And he didn't even, he wasn't even involved in any touchdowns last week. So I think, yeah, we could see definitely upward mobility on the price and the production here. Um, he, no, correct. He did not score a touchdown, but he um, ends up going for 117 yards. He threw for 150 
Right. Um, okay, so the case for Jackson, there's, I'm going to make two going forward. The, to, the case for him is the price hasn't climbed up all that much. He was 47 to 5,700. He's still on the cheaper side when it comes to quarterbacks on DraftKings and on FanDuel. Has a great matchup yeah. against Oakland. They're minus 11 home favorites going into the game against the Raiders. Uh, so the, the, the matchup really helps him. The thing that I think the case against him, I would say, is we've seen time and time again with the NFL. That's why sometimes backups can come in and be like kind of good right away. And then you just give the other team a week of looking at the tape and to say, like, it was going to be very difficult for, um, oh, jeez, I forgot who they played, um, Cincinnati. It was going to be very difficult for Cincinnati to game plan for Lamar Jackson for a whole game because it's like, well, what the hell are they going to do? Like, I don't even know, like, what packages are going to run if he's out there for every single snap. And we have seen if you give coaches, even the worst ones, a little bit of time to just look at what the plan was, I, I that would be the only reason I'd be a little bit worried about saying, okay, well, we can scheme against this. And it helps that it's John Gruden and the Raiders, and they're the worst. And so that's the other, that's going the other way on that comment because they're just not an analytics team. They don't seem very smart. Um, they're just bad in general. So if it's not as you don't take as big of a knock because it's the Raiders. If it was like like if they were playing the Rams this week or something like that, I'd be. I'd be really concerned that a, that a team sure. could just fig- figure out a way to just say, "Oh, we'll just do these three things, and this is the end of this game plan." Like they have no other options. We'll just make, we'll force them into throwing the ball forty times or something like that. Um, so anyway, I'm kind, of, kind of rambling, but I think that that'd be the only reason I'd be a little bearish on Jackson going forward is to say when teams have a little bit of time to look at the tape, that I'm sure there will be adjustments can be made to just sort of start figuring out because there is a reason teams don't choose to employ this method even close. Like they just the yeah, good teams throw the good teams throw a lot. And try not to run the ball uh, at all. What are any other quarterback play? And there was a lot of crazy games this week. Drew Brees, <laughs> the Saints are clearly doing something where I think they're trying to get Brees the MVP. Maybe like they're they're throwing the ball up like thirty one in the fourth quarter. Just for, <laughs> I, they're they're just doing like the, it's like almost like the BCS system where running the running the game up <laughs> it helps helps your overall rankings at the end of the year and how college teams <laughs> understand this now. I don't really understand yeah. another reason they haven't dived over the goal line. For like fourth and one, fourth and one touchdowns the week before when they're up thirty. This week they're just throwing the ball downfield up thirty-one in the fourth. If that's going to be the plan with the the Saints, they're killing teams. But do we have to kind of factor that in that like they're just willing to basically just run the score up late in the game? I mean, I, I suppose you can factor it in on some level. I still think ultimately Brees still only threw the ball thirty times last week, so he definitely had to put up flashy numbers. I mean, thirty-one fantasy points is GPP winning territory. Uh, if outside of the Mahomes and Goff games, basically. So you know that that game is in him for sure. I still think you have to tread a little bit cautiously just because of the existence of the, or the existence, <laughs> the existence of the two big running backs there. But yeah, I, I, you know, Breeze just keeps doing it week in, week out. And he is the third highest fantasy scorer on the season at the quarterback position. So you have to put him in that top tier for sure. Yeah, I, I'm with you that I get a little worried um, that they're more committed to the ground game like they were last year when Breeze did put up some lower numbers just because... They, again, they did, didn't need the pass a lot during the game. They were able to run Ingram and Kamara enough to keep teams off balance. They could run the clock out a little easier. They could get a lead early. Uh, other guys I wanted to just kind of take a look at for uh, this past week, Andrew Luck's a guy. Like, the completion rate is there. He's not getting sacked at all, um, which had been a problem before. He's been very accurate. Are we, is he a guy that we maybe been he's not a guy we played really at all this season and i'm wondering if it's because the price has always been there or we've always been a little bit low on the performance because he's putting together it's just a pretty excellent season he comes off 80 80 percent completion rate this week on 29 only 29 passes but still threw for 300 yards and three touchdowns or do you think we've been low on him this season or just kind of been just an odd man out because of the price yeah i think it's a price thing i mean i've written luck up in two separate weeks for our cash game articles so it's not like we've 
been ignoring him completely or anything like that. Uh, the issue with Luck is the price has always been in this like high 8,000s range, which, you know, we haven't tended to play quarterbacks for cash on this price point. Like we've basically gone cheap <laughs> multiple weeks at Tampa Bay quarterbacks, uh, you know, Eli Manning last week, like we've been tapping into the cheaper price tier for the most part. And when we've gone higher, it's been, you know, guys like say Breeze in a really high total game or something. So yeah, luck has been the odd man out. But I mean, if you want to talk about the image of consistency, we're now on six weeks where he's had between 22 and 25 fantasy points. <laughs> so that is pretty insane. And, you know, the attempts are right there, the touchdowns, he now has three touchdowns or more in I can't even count this many games quickly. Seven straight games. He's got three touchdowns or more. Yeah, he's like, second in the league in touchdowns after Mahomes. Uh, so he's... Yeah, he's I crazy mean, good. Uh, and, you know, whether he's throwing the ball deep or, you know, whatever, it doesn't really matter anymore. Like, it's very obvious that he's going to be able to contribute with whatever his new skill set is if you want to even perceive it to be a new skill set. And, you know, T.Y. Hilton going nine for nine for 155 and two touchdowns last week. You know, you're seeing a price increase there, but the Luck Hilton stack looks pretty viable right now for sure. Uh, any other quarterback plays stand out to you? We can talk about some of these running backs and wide receivers as well. Uh, not really. I mean, I don't see anyone who really jumped to the front of the line for me. Like the, the names in the high scoring one or the high scoring category are all names that you'd recognize. Uh, you know, we already talked about Fitzpatrick being a pretty disappointing play for cash games. You know, some people dabbled in a little Dak there. Uh, he was like pretty regular, nothing to write home about. But now it's a week with six teams on a bye and people perform pretty much how you'd expect. So, uh, Speaking of that, running backs were kind of the same way where we got big carry and yard games out of Saquon, David Johnson, and Zeke, all of whom yeah. ended up being cash plays. Uh, really pretty much across the board and they end up leading the lead they basically leading uh, the week in terms of carries there's a couple of other guys that throw how about game. your buddy Leonard Fournette I mean if we don't want to talk oh, about I'm, the chalk guys Fournette I'm gonna comes get to out. him in a He's second guy we talked about 30 touches last week after a huge touch game the week before scores the touchdown 20 fantasy points are we just back in Leonard Fournette is in that small group territory because it's a pretty elite group right now like we have some really really good options on the high end for running back but if Fournette, yeah, 29 touches the week before, if Fournette's going to touch the ball 29 and a half times a game, the $8,100 price tag is looking pretty attractive. It is. And I, this is a good case of all, all carries are not created equally, right? Okay, so, That's true. The, so this is my problem with Fournette. 20 carries out of, I mean, really almost any other running back, uh, not any running back in the league, because when you 20 carries on a bad team with no offensive play, like with no yeah. quarterback play at all, it's just not the same as 20 carries for Todd Gurley, right? Okay, and I yeah, think that's, that's obvious. Like, right, Carlos Hyde, right? Like he got 20 carries a game and was never fantasy viable on Cleveland. This is because Bortles is so bad and the, the passing game is so bad that if you – like, so basically their game plan, if you go back and look through their through, through their play log last week, this was, the, this was basically – Every single drive was Fournette up the middle, Fournette up the middle, incomplete pass. Fournette up the middle, Fournette up the middle, short pass, not a first down punt. At like the first, like, I, I, I looked at this before, an insane amount of drives went like this. And if this is going to be the case, your defense is good enough to get the ball back for you. And so that's great. And that's the reason he can get up into this insane amount of carries. And if you're just a, the opposing defense, you're like, well, this is easy. Like this, like my kid hitting this that was easy button over and over again. Like when she found this stupid Staples thing last week, just like hitting it <laughs> over and over and over again. Um, it's just say, yeah, you can do. Feel free to carry the ball thirty times. We're just gonna put every single guy in the box and make Blake Bortles beat us, which he can't. So that's my only concern. I, I, I have to, I have Fournette right now at twenty carries and three and a half targets. 
and he's got a pretty low projection. It helps that it helps they're playing the Bills, who are a pretty good defense, and their implied total for Jackson's is still very low. But that's my only thing. Is like, yeah, they can give the ball to the guy twenty five times. He just doesn't do shit with it. Like I don't. Like I, is that is that fair? Because I don't. I don't actually put him in that group of elite touches, mostly because his touches on the his his production on those touches is so bad. Yeah, I, I mean it's somewhat fair. I would say last week you get thirty touches for one hundred and forty yards. That's not outrageously bad, but. Uh, and again, you're not paying, I guess like the reason why the comparison isn't totally fair to me either is that you're just not paying, like he's 900 less than Saquon Barkley and he should be less than Saquon Barkley, but I don't know. I still, I still think he's an interesting option. And I think that maybe the Buffalo matchup isn't perfect here. And yeah, the passing game doesn't create any space for him, but I don't know. I I think there's going to be a week where it's going to be correct to play Leonard Fournette, even if it's not right now. Okay. Let me put it this way on FanDuel at 79, excuse me, 8,100, the guys I'd rather play over him would be at cheaper rates a cheaper thing david johnson nick chubb i'd probably rather play mixon i'd rather play marlon mack there's just the, the list of guys underneath them that also get pretty significant usage all seem like they're in better even if the ones that are in worse matchups all seem just better from a production standpoint so i'd rather play um, james connor yeah. okay well, that's another one let's talk about him for a second yeah. so we get james connor our system really liked him especially in DraftKings, where he was the cheapest of the elite group of guys. Um, and that's really where it kind of landed. We did not land with him on FanDuel, but DraftKings we did because he was so much cheaper than this other group. It was 7,800. Yeah, because of the matchup uh, against Jacksonville. His price, he had a terrible week and the price comes up 10% uh, to, on, oh no, it's up to 7,900 on FanDuel. And I don't, I had it ready, but I don't have it ready on me. Um, it's, it's still kind of in the value range on DraftKings as well. Are we worried about a week where we just did not get any kind of usage out of James Conner? He's 7,800 on, on DraftKings. Are we worried about seeing this kind of down usage week? Is it just like kind of one of those weeks where they just end up throwing the ball a ton? Or is that indicative of he maybe isn't as close to this elite group that we thought he was? Well, yeah. So I have some pretty serious thoughts about Connor, actually, because this week, or this game, rather, should not have been one where he only got nine carries. And that leads me to believe that maybe there's some health thing going on that they're not totally acknowledging. You know, like I know he passed the concussion protocol and he was looking good but it's not like like the pit like the Steelers scored zero points in the first half right <laughs> and the plan all season has been to establish the run with Connor light it up through the air instead they seem to be going the opposite direction except they couldn't establish the pass and then they just didn't try to run the ball so I just don't really know I, like I would have to be in that locker room to figure out why the Steelers game planned in the way that they did I just don't I won't ever fully understand how a team that scores zero points, and it's not like they were down by much. Jacksonville also scored no points in the first quarter, right? So, and it's not like this game was particularly, like, yeah, Jacksonville was chewing up a lot of time with all those yeah. carries. Oh, like, yes. like they had 41 running back carries. So, I, granted, there were fewer possessions overall, but the Steelers still had 58 snaps or whatever, and Connor only had nine carries. So, yeah, and, and then, you know, I, I get that they were behind in the third and fourth quarter, and there were reasons, blah, 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 but. I'm definitely more concerned about Connor, a lot more concerned about Connor than I ever would have been going into last week. That being said, it still strikes me as probably the outlier. I, you know, <laughs> he left, he got fewer carries against Carolina, but that was where he uh, got the potential concussion. But before that, the guy was locked in for 24 to 26 carries a game. So I still think he's going to be that guy in Pittsburgh going forward. Again, like, do you need to play him this week, given out all the excellent running backs you can choose from? in comparable price ranges with better matchups probably not but i still i'm still bullish on connor going forward 
Yeah, I'm very, I'm still very bullish on him. They had a couple drives. Um, so one, there's two things to nod to what you said. One, because the byproduct of Fournette carrying the ball so many times is Jacksonville controlled the clock for like 37 out of the 22 or 37 to 22 minutes, um, which is just an insane amount considering like the current NFL. To, it's an insane amount to score only 16 points, which is another nod to how bad their offense is in general and just how just silly their game plan is. They mm-hmm. also had two. The, the Steelers also had two drives um, in the first half that led to this where. Uh, Big Ben threw interceptions on the first play of the drive. So there's these these little like sort of outlier things. I hate to like do the oh here's the explanation for it. I do think mm-hmm. that you know when we look at running back just overall touches, Connor just was on the field for every single snap. That's where I would say the injury thing was not an issue. I want to account for some weirdness here. I'm still very bullish on the carries. I'm glad the price didn't come up too much after this after this sort of bad game because. You know, you're getting him at a discount uh, as opposed to guys like Melvin Gordon and Saquon Barkley. And I still probably would put him in this group. And there's just enough little bit of worry based on this game. Another guy that actually stood out in terms of just not a guy you typically see on this list, and I'm wondering if this is sustainable, is Gus Edwards. So Gus Edwards carried the ball 17 times for 115 yards and a touchdown. It had been Alex Collins as the basically the running back, though they had wanted to mix Edwards in. But because there was an overall shift in just what they were doing in their quarterback play and who, like the personnel they were using, is that enough to say, oh, maybe Edwards is the guy they just see, view as working better with the Lamar Jackson scheme? Like, was this game, was one game sample enough to say Edwards is maybe a 14 to 15 carry guy because they've made some behind the scenes deal to say, oh, when, if, when Lamar's out there, you're just a much better running back to have? Or is that like, or am I putting too much on one game? Because no, I don't think you come- are. I think I was thinking about this. I, I saw Alex Collins. He was actually moderately owned in FanDuel cash games. And so I was tuning into that game probably more than I would have otherwise. And it like so one of the things, one of the criticisms you hear about running backs a lot of times is, well, this guy's not a good pass blocker, right? Like that's yep. the thing you hear people say all the time. Well, the same thing can apply if you're basically just going to run bootlegs the whole game, right? Like if, if you're just going to give the ball to the quarterback nonstop and just see what happens, you want a running back that complements that. And I believe that they think Edwards is that guy, you know, a guy that can, you know, match Jackson's speed, you know, running out and doing the option, uh, someone who can probably catch short passes for them in the event that they need to. I think that they probably see Collins as a better fit with Flacco. And the fact that this kind of came out of nowhere leads me to believe that, they had this holstered as well. Like they, this it wasn't injury related. It was just they saw a fit. They liked it, and it worked. By the way, he was excellent on those seventeen carries. So I think we could definitely see more Edwards going forward. And he's just so cheap too that uh, you're not really taking on much of a risk by trying it. And I know it's going to throw people off because Gus is a pretty unathletic sounding name. So uh, I don't want that. To Gus is my son's name. I have a son oh, named Gus. Brutal. So I guess he's going to be a terrible athlete. He's I mean, a physical specimen. Unless he gets there, on the, gets there like in the Gus, like you know, totally out of nowhere, Gus Edwards style. But for the most part, I think we can kind of he can climb be. a climbing wall he, before he was two years old. <laughs> Good luck. All right. So um, any other any other running back play to stand out here? We're going to start running along. But I want I do want to talk about some of these wide receivers as well. That's all good. I mean, you kind of nodded to this. There, there are a, a class of running backs who are getting a lot of touches, but not really doing a whole lot. That I'm not very excited about. I mean, like Lamar Miller, uh, Peyton Barber, Jordan Howard. You know, at this point in the NFL season, uh, Chris Carson is in this group too. There's no shortage of guys whose teams are willing to give them the ball a lot, but who do generally nothing. <laughs> but right. um, and I, you know, I think teams are getting tired. They realize they just can't keep up this frenetic pace of passing nonstop all season long so yeah i think running back 
it's a real case of the haves and the have-nots for me. I, I'm very unattracted to a lot of the guys in the mid-tier, and if I can pay up and continue to do the mid-tier wide receiver thing, then I'll be feeling pretty good about it. On the wide receiver, Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen combined for 30 targets this week. Diggs had 18 <laughs> targets, went for 13, 126, and a touch Sunday night. And Thielen had 12 targets, uh, 7 and 66, no touchdowns. Um, they were they really struggled with the Bears to get the, any kind of run game going at all. Dalvin Cook didn't, couldn't do a thing. The Bears jumped out to a 14 nothing first half lead, so the Vikings were forced to just basically pass the entire second half. Do we, you know, Thielen's a guy that we had clearly been the elite, elite target guy into the season. You know, we saw a week with him without Diggs, but then Diggs is the guy they really targeted last week. How much do we, after one week, do we shift back our focus? On to maybe just more of a, a split in terms of targets, or do you are you comfortable still putting Thielen above Diggs in terms of overall target share? No, I think something like a split makes sense. I think one thing we've seen out of Minnesota is that they're willing to game plan against you and try to figure out where your weaknesses are. And so, if they think that they have a good matchup with Diggs on the outside, then they're going to throw it to him a little bit more. If the other teams you know double cover Diggs or overcommit in that area, then they'll just dump it down to Thielen uh, for more short passes. So I think we want to look at things kind of on a case by case basis there, uh, recognizing that either of those guys is going to be playable going forward, and probably recognizing that both of them are going to be expensive. So um, you know you're you're not really getting a discount by playing Minnesota wide receivers at this point. Traquan Smith is a guy that I boosted up a little bit in our system going into uh, last week because of uh, just getting some more wide receiver, wide receiver two snaps, and he was actually drawing a decent matchup. And it just Chris talked about him at length in the Game by Game podcast, yeah. which I'm sure you listen to every minute of. He, he was like, Traquan Smith, and I was like, you know, Chris, and I gave him like a big speech about how you don't want to be the, in the position of guessing who the guy is that's going to get the receptions just because just because there's more opportunity you can't. You don't want to be the guy who just claims that you know where it's going to go. But my buddy Chris Durrell was correct about that one because <laughs> Draycon Smith had one of the very best performances of the week. And incidentally, it also looks more sustainable than some of these other big ones. I mean, the guy gets 13 targets. <laughs> like, oh, it's crazy. Well, this is one of those things where it's, it's when you have a, an embarrassment of riches of, of just talent plus like maybe the most yeah, accurate quarterback, uh, this is the only problem with what's going to be difficult on a given week with a team like the Saints is that when they are full strength and I'm saying with Ingram here uh Traquan's a guy that was good in the preseason and they've had some injury issues with wide receiver that just seems to be working out because maybe he should have been the guy from the beginning the problem with situations like this is Breeze is just going to the teams are going to find the thing that works and they're going to do that thing over and over and over again and that's the only problem going into a given week it's like oh Michael Thomas is the guy Draw, okay, because honestly, this Traquan Smith game might just make Michael Thomas a better play going forward. Because if teams need to game plan a little bit more for this other wide receiver that can just completely dust them down the sidelines, then that maybe opens things up for Thomas as well. So that's my only pump the brakes moment on a guy like Traquan Smith in this kind of target share is that, it, you know, next week it's just Kamara that's just going to get all the touches or Ingram or whatever it is. When you're a good team that has a good offense with a great quarterback, you will just find the thing and exploit it. This week it was Smith. It could be him again. But is he going to be like a double-digit target guy every single game? No. Like, Michael yes. Thomas is huh. clearly still the guy, and this was the game they just didn't need to – this was the game they just really kind of didn't need to feed him. A lot of other – there were a lot of other double-digit targets. I mean, we saw another week of Kenny Galladay with big target share. Yeah. He gets there for one, eight, 113 and a touch they play on Thanksgiving. Um, they're without Karrion Johnson out. Karrion Johnson is – looks like he's going to be out for the rest of the season. Um, they yeah. play the Bears – how comfortable are we with Galladay, even if maybe Marvin Jones? I think Marvin Jones is going to play. He was, like, questionable. It seemed like they were holding him out because they knew they had the, the short week with the Thanksgiving game. But even if Marvin Jones came back on a Thanksgiving slate that looks pretty small, are we still comfortable with Galladay being mainly the guy there for Detroit? 
Yeah, I'm going to play him in the gravy bomb on FanDuel. So that, that much is for sure. Uh, Imagine sitting a, around the FanDuel offices coming up with these names. <laughs> <laughs> just like, I just okay, had to with the gravy on the left side. On the left side, list all the words that have to do with Thanksgiving. Okay, good. And there's like gravy, cranberry, <laughs> turkey. Okay. Uh, um, I have a good, what about gobble monster? On the right, on the right side, list weapons. Okay, bomb, gun. You know, or, or well, like, because we already we do the monster normally, and I was thinking if we stick gobble. In in front of it then uh then we're gonna go for it yeah the corn the cornbread kickoff we could do the we could do, literally do a 45 minute podcast just making fun of the things that FanDuel names so congratulations so FanDuel you win you got us to talk about your dumb contest names on the podcast yeah still... so Detroit though so Detroit there actually is something I want to pull out here because quietly on Johnson had turned into an actual running back that yeah, they wanted to use yeah in Detroit, and he was like good last week, even before uh, having to exit the game. And so, trying to project where the rest of that's going to go is pretty interesting. Uh, at this point, Theoretic is just a receiver, so yep. uh, he's not a running back. They do have Legarrette Blunt. Blunt is forty six hundred. He sucks. He, oh he, god, he sucks. I was going to say that he's not. He hasn't been very good so far this year. But <laughs> keep in mind with Blunt, though, a lot of the times he comes in, it's just for like X and two, X and one situations. So the yards per carry is going to look a lot worse than it would if he was just the every down back like just it's impossible like i mean just a, on a on a basic level the guy has 21 carries in the last four weeks for 16 yards like that's not that's not indicative of someone who just gets the ball on first and 10 right like that's just not even physically possible basically so um at 4600 i think you don't want to just dismiss him altogether on a three-game slate Oh, dude, I just made, I wasn't listening to what you're saying because I actually opened up Fanduel to look at some of these names of these things. Oh my god, what an embarrassment! The ro- the green bean snap, the peak. Well, then they can come up with other words. I told so you we peak. could do a whole 45 minutes on it, but I was thinking we should maybe finish this podcast first. I can't do it. Well, I want to know why the green bean snap is different than the pecan snap because every other word they were able to come up with a different word besides snap, but they just couldn't. They couldn't. They, that that up, side of dude. the list ran out. <laughs> the butternut squib. Good lord. Anyway, um, any other, I'm all distracted. I'm not gonna be able to finish the podcast. I'm too He's distracted. Beside himself. <laughs> I'm too distracted by these names. Uh, any of these other performances stand out? How worried are you about the Antonio Brown? Another week of very poor conversion. Now he did draw Jalen Ramsey, and they were forcing the ball to Brown in Ram- excellent Ramsey coverage. And so I kind of want to give him a little bit on that. And we've just seen major league conversion problems for Antonio Brown this season. Is it that they're just forcing the ball into bad spots? Is it that he's just not as reliable? Like, because 13, 13 targets, only five catches. He did catch 117 in a touch. But we've seen this kind of all season long with him, just not being able to haul in the targets. Are we worried that that's just a theme that's not going away? Yeah, probably. And I, I think he's just expensive enough that you just don't need to bother. Like, if you're going to pay $9,000 for a player at this point, you're just going to get a great running back, and I don't think that you can probably do both. So, I don't know. Like, what? why bother? It would be my Antonio Brown thought, just generally speaking right now. They also have Smith-Schuster, and when things aren't going well with Brown, they have shown that they're happy just to make a juju the first read. So, yeah, unfortunately... My time as a weekly Antonio Brown DFS player is probably past me at this point. And finally, I'm just going to finish with all the tight ends real quick because, again, we're in usually the catch-the-falling knife on tight end territory on a week-to-week basis. Uh, Zach Ertz had been clearly the guy that um, was just, just destroying targets on for most of the position and then all of a sudden just disappears last week against the Saints in a game where they had to basically throw the entire yeah. game because they were down. Um, he was the guy that we had kind of bumped into wide receiver 1A territory in terms of targets. Are we 
is sure. are we just too bullish on that? I'm saying 1A because there's it's still a group of guys that he's well behind. But are we too bullish on that? And then let's comment on him. And then Jordan Reed, 11 targets last game. But Alex Smith obviously suffers that gruesome leg break. Um, he's out for the season, maybe for his career. I'm not sure. That 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 break does not look like something you can really come back from. Um, but they're going to get Colt McCoy on the Thanksgiving day. Where do you stand with these two guys? Because they look like they were going in opposite directions in terms of tight end targets last week. Yeah, you don't want to get carried away. Like, certainly, Ertz should be the higher projected tight end going forward. One bad game after a 16-target game shouldn't really make anyone want to tear their hair out. Uh, he is the type of guy, if a defense is willing to overcommit and scheme against, you know, like, the, the targets could come and go. So I think you want to keep an eye on, on a matchup-dependent basis and, you know, kind of deploy him from there. You know, and, and I think generally, too, it's almost academic in talking about Ertz because it's so rarely correct to pay up for tight end in the current state of DFS that... Uh, you just probably don't need to. Uh, but Reed, on the other hand, he is an interesting guy. I mean, you know, we've been projecting the potential Reed breakout week forever. <laughs> he finally goes out there. Stop watches. Ele- <laughs> Broken watches and all. But yeah, there we go. No kidding. I know. But the like, if you just look at the sheer target share for Reed this week, it's basically Travis Kelsey. So again, you have to pay up considerably for it. Uh, Jordan Reed. And then... Guys who you just won't be wanting to rely on going forward. Johnu Smith, uh, Austin Hooper, I guess he does get the targets from time to time. Gates, no. Uh, Tyler Higby, no. Uh, Jared Cook, six targets. You know, So like you're already down in the dumpster territory with the Jared Cook, Vance McDonald's of the world. So like you're sitting there, you're thinking about playing the hot plate route or the creamed cover two or the sweep yams on <laughs> Thursday. Why are you laughing? Because I was going to finish the podcast by naming these the rest of the ones I hadn't read, but you just keep going. <laughs> oh, I'm just saying, like, if you're playing one of these great Thursday contests that FanDuel is offering, like, sweet potato dive, um, I think that, what? Just I, get through this? I, 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 I want to get through this so we can make it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, but Reed, now, he'll, he'll be probably the chalk tight end on Thursday slate, I would imagine. I mean, I guess people could consider the Austin Hooper thing if they really wanted to, but... Uh, chances are good you'll just go read at the same price point and just move on with your day all right we're gonna get out of here daily fantasy sports rankings.com is the site dfsr.com slash deals get you that uh, free seven day trial that'll take you through so you can enter the scalp scramble and the cornbread kickoff and the stuff over over on <laughs> the scalp the scramble. what kind of <laughs> monsters eating scallops on thanksgiving that's what i'm saying dude. Just, just, some, these, some stop making, <laughs> they stop making sense after a while daily fantasy sports rankings.com go Cereal check it out <laughs> go check it out uh we'll be back again later in the week doing a game by game i don't know if we're gonna have the time to do a cash game podcast this week with the thanksgiving but we will have thanksgiving day picks up on the site for sure uh and then we'll be back again for the game by game breakdown uh on friday when we look at every single game uh buddy enjoy your thanksgiving if i don't talk to you to talk more football i'll talk to you again friday